Bags down, spikes on, welcome to the track. Hi, my name is Colin Waitsman. I'm going to be your host for this episode of Track World News, presented by the Harrier. And today, uh, obviously got a lot of news to cover, so uh, we're going to have to go quick with some of these things, but uh, definitely very exciting week. Uh, if for some reason, don't know how you wouldn't know, but this is the Olympic Trials Week. Uh, started on, what was it, Friday, and we've been going on as of right now on this recording. It's Monday. I'm actually currently watching the second heat of the men's steeplechase for the very first round right now, and uh, so we got a lot of stuff going on, a lot of great performances to go through, um, but before we get into that, make sure that you leave a like, review, and uh, subscribe to the show. It really helps us know that you're enjoying the content here. And uh, so first story that I want to get into um, and that is that the future of track and field is female. And it's something that it's both surprising and not surprising at all at the same point. So obviously with Usain Bolt gone, everyone's been wondering who's going to be the next face of track and field. And if you listen to my earlier episode, I said probably could be Noah Lyles, could be Mondo Duplantis, could be Christian Coleman, all that stuff. Uh, and now I've really completely done a 180. I thought Sydney McLaughlin was going to be one of those people, but uh, two major names came out of almost nowhere. I, I mean, should have seen it coming, but uh, it's, it's a really bright future for track and field, especially here in America. Um, first, obviously, we're talking about Sha'Carri Richardson. Uh, she won the 100 meters in the Olympic trials at uh, 1087, ran uh, 1064, win aided in the semis. And she is everything that we need in track and field. She has a, she's great, she's fast, she has a great attitude, um, she's confident, and she knows that she's good, is good, is flamboyant about it, is just everything that we need more of in track and field. Because something we obviously don't have in track is that, um, you know, that flamboyant attitude. A lot of people are like, let me run my times, let me finish, and then that's going to be it. It's like, no, like create a brand for yourself. Make people want to watch, you know, how UFC or boxing does it. Whenever there's going up against each other, you have all these storylines, this buildup. Uh, let's get more of that. And Shakari's doing exactly that. I mean, after her race, she was saying, I'm that girl. I think she meant to say something. She was trying to say something else, but kept it PG for uh, national television. So that's good for her. But she is a bright face here in track and field, only 21 years old and is already running times that um, seasoned veterans would be running. She's mentioned several times that her age doesn't mean anything. She's going to be running with the, with the, the big ones, the big girls there, and it's, it's clear that she is. Um, something that happened right after her, her race that was super emotional and, and super touching to see was uh, she ran up into the stands, gave her grandmother and, and her other family members a hug, um, just embracing them, which was super cool, going right into the stadium and, and doing that. Um, and then in her, in her post-race interview, she had mentioned that she actually lost her biological mother just a week ago, um, which can do an extreme toll on you when you're competing. Um, it's, it's something that it can really, really mess you up and just throws a whole wrench into your plan because it's someone that, um, you know, it's extremely important for your, your well-being. I mean, you, she, wouldn't have been, she wouldn't be here on this earth without her biological mother. And so to lose that person in your life, regardless of, you know, 
what, whether you have a fantastic relationship or, or it might not be as fantastic, either way, it's going to be hard on you. And so for her to do this time like she did was, was fantastic. So that was great. Uh, we haven't seen her run yet, but Sydney McLaughlin is, is a future of track and field, obviously. She's one of the biggest names. I think she has the most amount of followers. Uh, I mean, Shakari might be coming right up there on Instagram after this big weekend. She was all over ESPN, SportsCenter. Friends of mine that don't even watch track and field were, were reposting videos and pictures of her. I'm like, how do you know about Shakari? I'm like, oh, it's, I love her. She's great. And it, she is. She's fantastic. But uh, Sydney McLaughlin, same thing. She's a huge name in track and field. I'm, I'm excited to see what she's doing. One of the biggest names in our sport. Uh, a thing Mo uh, obviously just went professional a few days ago is going to be a huge name for the sport. What had six national records as a freshman collegiate athlete, something that is just insane. And I see these three women making a lot of noise in track and field for the coming years. Uh, they've got great personalities. They're great athletes um, and, and three people that people could really get behind and watch. Um, so it, the future's female. I mean, they're, they're other athletes that could potentially take the crown is what Noah Lyles. I think he could potentially, uh, Grant Holloway. He's, he's fantastic as well. Um, Trayvon Brumell, he, he could as well, I suppose. But I really think these three ladies are, are taking the crown. I mean, I was, I went on the ESPN, uh, ESPN at, or ESPN W and they did a post of Shakari Richardson. Um, and it got over 46,000 likes. Uh, I think all of their other posts averaged like 6,000 or 7,000. And then they posted the one about Shakari and it got, you know, nearly 50,000 likes. So, uh, these three women are going to be taking the crown for our sport in the future. And I couldn't be more excited for that. So that's going to be, you know, something that is, that is really cool for sure. Um, next want to go over some quick hitters from the meet. So these are some performances that I saw, quick storylines that we saw that, you know, pretty, pretty fast. Cause we got a couple other things that, uh, I definitely want to be getting into. Um, number one, uh, Kenny Harrison, um, in the 100 meter hurdles, uh, great redemption story for her. So she, uh, is in the 100 meter hurdles. Like we just said, she is going for it in 2016 to qualify for the Olympics and, I believe got knocked out in the semis. I don't even think she made it to the, the final round of the Olympic trials. So she was obviously really heartbroken. Um, she was preparing clearly for the, the 2020 Olympics and that got pushed back a year. And then uh, now in 2021, uh, she won all of her heats, I believe, uh, you know, semi or the prelims, the semis, and then the finals. And obviously get getting uh, that qualification for the Olympic trials. Um, to see her after was was just really just really moving. She was extremely uh, excited for qualifying for the team. Uh, along there in the 100 meter hurdles was uh, Brianna McNeil. Um, she obviously is going through a lot of stuff right now um, on the track. She's currently appealing her uh, ban from you know allegedly tampering with. A, uh, a drug test. So she's currently going through that. And then a week ago, uh, she had actually lost her, her younger brother to a car crash. Um, you know, obviously even more stuff that the fact that these, you know, women are, are going through this law, these, these tre tremendous amounts of losses that are just un un 
thinkable to, to be going through and then performing like they are on the track. Um, obviously in, in dedication, um, you know, Brianna McNeil had mentioned that this race was in dedication of her brother is just incredible. Uh, it's something that it's not easy to do. Um, and to see them doing this with all this pressure is, is very, very impressive. So, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was the, the 100 meter hurdles. Then, Biggest story, uh, one of the other biggest stories of the day, we're, sti- we're sticking on the women's side of things, uh, the super moms, or, or the super mommies. Um, so in the women's 400, uh, this was Allison Felix and Quinera Hayes. Quinera Hayes won the Olympic trials 400. Uh, Allison Felix came in second, and... Um, yeah, both of these, both of these uh, ladies, it was super cool seeing them after the race because they both had their kids who are, you know, about, what, two or three years old uh, on the track with them, celebrating, making the Olympic team. Allison Felix making her fifth Olympic team. She had been running in the Olympics since 2004. There are athletes that are not even... Uh, that were not even born yet that are on this uh, that are in this Olympic trials and so just overall um, crazy stories for them great to see their their kids there if you don't know the Allison story Felix it's a fantastic one um, so in 2018 she had uh, her she was going through having her daughter and she had to have an emergency uh, c-section and had a lot of complications and, and was fighting for her life, um, you know, going through that, that pregnancy. Um, she had her, I believe she had her baby early as well. So um, just overall, extremely moving story. And it was like, I was someone that I didn't think she was going to make the team. But then once you think about it, it's like, why would you bet against Allison Felix? She's racing for so much more, right? This race, like she was racing for her daughter, to see her, she was racing for so much. And it was interesting because on the uh, last 50, she was behind by a few meters. And it's like, well, you're Allison Felix isn't making it. She's in fifth, sixth place. Maybe she'll be able to qualify on that Olympic team. And it's like, no, she just kicked it into another gear. She's a champion. Winners know how to win. And she ended up pulling it out and, and getting and getting second place. Uh, Quinera Hayes, she, she was leading for most of the time. Um, and so her qualifying obviously was, was fantastic as well. So just an overall fantastic, uh, race there in the 400, a lot of emotion going through for sure. Um, then on the men's side, some not so great news. Uh, we saw Justin Gatlin, uh, pulling up with an injury. Uh, looks like he had pulled his hamstring, um, during the full, the 100 meter final, uh, he actually mentioned in his post game, his post race interview, and, and you could actually see it, uh, during the semis that he tweaked his hamstring, uh, a little bit earlier in the day during the, the semifinals. And so he put an ace bandage on it, tried to, you know, stretch it out and, and be able to figure out how he can compete for the, the finals. He, he did it. And then probably what was it like 50, uh, 50 meters in or so. Um, you could see him slowing down and then eventually grabbing at that left hamstring and, and his race was over. Um, so that was upsetting. And then you also saw him at the, uh, uh, he had a press conference after his race and he was so emotional. Uh, he was crying and just really upset. It's, it was honestly, it, it was kind of hard to watch at points because it was, you're, you're seeing this guy that is, been competing for so many years what he's now 39 years old 
He's been running track for most of his life, more times than he hasn't been. And he was kind of sitting there, like kind of realizing, is this it? Uh, He mentioned in the interview, like, if this was, you know, him going out on his own accord where he didn't qualify and it was, you know, he wasn't injured, then he would be calling it quits. Um, But he's like, he he doesn't know now because he was injured and he didn't know if he could have made the team. So does this mean he's going to be trying to get back and and go to the world championships in 2022, just next year? I mean, he could. I mean, that would be looking at, he'd be competing next October. So October, I believe it's October, 2022. Does he have another year in him? Could he be running at 40? I mean, who knows? But so that was hard to see, um, and you stink, you hate to see it from him. That interview's on Flow Track, so if you wanted to to take a look at that, um, you can you can go do that. Uh, in that same race, uh, had a big um, some big performances from Trayvon Bermel, who ended up winning. I believe it was a like a nine eight two something like that, uh, and then uh, who was it? Uh, Ronnie Baker, I think, got second, and then our third place performer was the guy that was running 400s not too long ago in Fred Curley. And so I was super stoked to see this guy end up making a, an Olympic team in the 100. Everyone thought that this is a race he shouldn't be doing. It was a dumb move. It's stupid. Why are you dropping your number one race in order to just attempt to make it in the 100 and the 200? And we ended up seeing that that might have been the smartest move he could have made because now he's on the Olympic team. He ran really well. He PR'd with a 986. Uh, the original PR was 991. And, I mean, I was saying from the beginning of the year, I hope he does the 100. Didn't think that means he was going to end up dropping the four. But fantastic race for him. Excited to see what he's going to be doing now in the 200. Uh, his 200 PR is not very good, but something that was interesting is that they took a look at all of the top end speeds for all of the people in the 100. And the thing that was interesting, everyone else's top end speed, Trayvon Brumell, uh, Ronnie Baker, um, Noah Lyle, all those, all those racers, their top end speeds were around the 40, 50, 60 meter mark. Um, for um, Curly, his top end speed, he didn't reach 26 miles an hour. I think it was 26.2 until he was at the 80 meter mark. So right at the end of the race is when he was hitting his top end speed. And that shows that he is in prime position to be running this 200. Because if you can hold in your top end speed for that amount of time, you are definitely set to be running a really fast time in the 200. Uh, obviously, because you're a 400 meter runner. So you have to be hitting your, your top end speed later on in that race. So that was super exciting for him. Um, I'm wondering who's going to be on this four by four team, uh, four by one team. If I were to guess um, the order too, I would say it's going to be uh, Trayvon Brumell, Fred Curley, uh, Ronnie, and then dang that, that fourth spot. I mean, I don't know. Do you put maybe, no, 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 no. This is what we do. Then we, we put uh Michael Williams, so he's the the freshman from Oregon. We're going to put him third, and then we'll put uh, Baker anchoring uh, fourth. So overall, great, great performances from from these guys. Uh, And, uh, yeah, so looking forward to seeing what that that 4x1 and everything's going to look like. Next, biggest performance of the entire weekend, obviously. Ryan Krauser. Uh, ended up throwing a world record in the shot put. He threw 23.37 meters. Uh, just 
crazy throws. It's something that no one's really surprised. He now owns five of the top six best throws of this entire year. Uh, and I'm saying it, I'm going to put it down now. Ryan Krauser is going to be the most dominant thrower of all time. Uh, he's in the range of Usain Bolt dominance, where if you remember Usain Bolt, he had, what was it, 13 of the top 50 times in the 100. And then everyone but uh, now Trayvon Brumel had had some type of scandal or issues regarding drugs, uh, besides Usain Bolt and Trayvon Brumel. Um, I mean, now with Ryan Krauser, that's not the case when it comes with, with drugs. I'm just talking about the fact that Ryan Krauser's name is all over the top 10. Uh, Ryan Krauser has five of the top 10 spots in the all-time list, which is the most by far. The only other person that's even close is, Ra is Randy Barnes, who is a former world record holder, who has two. So he's just all over the place. Um, how does this line up with Usain Bolt? Well, Usain Bolt only had four uh, of the top 10 times of all time, where Krauser ha has five of them. So he is dominating the throws and at the right time. He's peaking right now um, at the trials. Hopefully this means he's going to be having great throws at the Olympics. So overall, fantastic from him. Um, he now has the indoor and outdoor world record. Uh, Kovacs did well as well, but, you know, he's – it's just hard when you're going up against, you know, right now the greatest thrower of all time. But uh, Krauser, fantastic for him. Excited to see what he's going to gonna be doing. Um, last story of the day, sticking with the throws, uh, Rudy Winkler, uh, he has the national record in the hammer throw. Uh, he threw 82.71 meters. He's now firmly in second place currently this year. And uh, he has the a time or an opportunity to really do something that no American has, has done since 1956. And that's win an Olympic gold medal. Um, Hal Conley in 1956 was the last athlete to win Olympic gold in the hammer, uh, for the United States right now. It's currently, uh, really been dominating a lot by Poland. Uh, they have two of the best times, this, uh, two of the best throws this year, uh, the best throw of the year, as well as the third best throw of the year. And uh, so Rudy's right there. Uh, he's only within like half of a meter uh, of getting it. I believe number one is 82.98. So just a couple centimeters away. And um, so he could, he really could be taking this uh, spot. Uh, it's going to be a competitive atmosphere though at the Olympics. I mean, all of the, the top five marks uh, are only separated by three meters. And all of those marks have been thrown since May 30th. So these are all very recent throws. People are peaking at the right time. So it's going to take a really massive throw in order to win this thing. Um, and Rudy could do it. Uh, excited to see if he's able to, to pull together um, and do that. So congrats on the national record for you there. Actually, we have one more story for today. So this actually happened right after I finished recording. Uh, I probably should have waited from the beginning, but uh, the men's 800 had just concluded and we had a huge surprise. So this is definitely the biggest news of the entire track meet so far of a big name that does not qualify to the finals. And so for the men's 800, the people that won uh, are going to the uh, Olympics in Tokyo. The winner, Clayton Murphy, he ran a world lead of 1 minute 43 seconds 
and 17 milliseconds. Second was Isaiah Jewett. He was the 800-meter runner from USC, uh, who was the national champion uh, for the NCAA. And then Bryce Hopple, who uh, is one of the top 800-meter runners, uh, obviously, as well. He, he was undefeated for, for most of the year. He had a very, very good year. And so I'm sure you're noticing, well, wait a minute, you're missing a name. You're missing Donovan Brazier. What, where is he? He actually didn't qualify. Uh, in fact, he came in dead last in the finals. Uh, he ran a 147.88. And so how did the race go down? So I was watching the race, and for most of the race, he's in it. Uh, the very first lap, he's he's right up there. He he was he ran a 51 second 400. Um, that's right up there with everyone else. I, it looks like he was actually leading. I believe. Yep, he was actually leading after the the first lap. So, oh no, Isaiah Jewett was leading after the first lap. He had a 50.6. So he was he was second there, and he was in third or fourth. Uh, by the time that last curve came around and as they're about to go into the home stretch, he starts to fall off and he goes from being second, third and not kicking like he normally does and actually falls back. <clears throat> and then I'm sure he realized I'm not winning this thing. And I, you know, coming in fifth or sixth doesn't mean anything. And then it seemed like he just kind of turned off the gas there. And this is wild news. I mean, first, Clayton Murphy, congratulations on winning. Uh, big fan of the Track Boys podcast, so it's nice to see him him going up there. Isaiah Jewett was 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 great as well. Uh, his post race interviews were just hilarious. He was talking about anime. He was talking about how his teacher has a ten page paper that he has to do by the end of today, which is just terrible. How that professor is not giving this man an extension that is now an Olympian is beyond me. So I'm hoping that uh, his professor is going to end up giving him an extension. And then Bryce Hopple, just a name that, you know, it's, it's expected to be up top of there. And so yeah, the real story is is that Brazier didn't didn't make it. And looking at the race and, and looking at what he had talked about after, uh, he said he wasn't 100%. It looks like it might have been something with with his legs, I was, you know, in the very brief moments that they showed during warm-ups, he was really trying to stretch those hamstrings, it looked like. Like, he was doing a lot of bending down, kind of stretched them uh, during the finals when he was lining up at the at the line. So if I had to guess, it might have been something like that, uh, where he just wasn't, wasn't 100%, wasn't able to close out in that traditional speed that he usually has. And, uh, yeah, so that's uh, the world champion that didn't end up making it to the Olympic team. Uh, he was really upset. He said he had a really bad race in his post-interview. And even though he didn't win this, he's still going to go into every single race uh, feeling and, and knowing that he's the man anyway because um, he's, he's had, you know, worse experiences than this in the past. So it's not going to be the, the determination of his entire career. Um, it's very surprising. And, uh, you know, with this, it's like, is he going to be the biggest name that doesn't qualify, or will there be other names that don't qualify as well? Um, one that I was thinking of, I mean, Noah Lyles is in a is in a boat right now where he didn't qualify for the 100, so he needs to make it in the 200 to be on this team. Um, it's going to be a really stiff 200. Terrence Laird, Fred Curley, uh, amongst many, many others. It's going to be a tough race for sure. And so it's not going to be a walk in the park for him. Uh, hopefully he doesn't, you know, have a, a similar fate where he ends up missing it. Uh, I would not peg him to, but I know it's definitely not going to be any any walk in the park. So 
very crazy uh, to see. And uh, I realized after I had recorded, I'm like, oh, no, we're going to have to go back and, and redo this. But crazy race in the men's 800. Um, yeah. So thank you all for listening. This has been another episode of Track World News. Um, make sure that you leave a like, subscribe, uh, leave a review. really helps us know that you're enjoying the channel and, and all the content that we have coming on. Um, also, yeah, have a great rest of the day and uh, enjoy the remaining uh, trials for the rest of this week. We have, I think, six or, six or seven days left, so it uh, should be exciting. Um, have a good one and peace. Thank <laughs> you.